Hi, I'm Miguel Garcia, creator and host of the Sports as a Weapon podcast, a Chicano sports podcast on the entanglement of sports, radical politics, and working class sports fan culture. We talk just sports too. Subscribe and listen to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You can also listen to the podcast on Amazon Music, Deezer, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Pandora. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Sports as a Weapon and on Instagram and Facebook at Sports as a Weapon Podcast. Or visit our website at www.sportsasaweapon.com. Hey, this is Dave Zirin, and you are listening to the Sports as a Weapon Podcast. We came here to build the new Chicago movement. That's what we came here for. We came here to build the new Chicago movement. That's what we came here for. Hey, this is Dave Zirin, and you are listening to the Sports as a Weapon podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Sports as a Weapon podcast, a Chicano Chicano sports podcast on the entanglement of sports radical politics and working class sports fan culture and don't worry we talk about just sports too and before we start today's episode breaking news podcast episode i haven't done that i think since i started this podcast like last year um let's want to make a quick announcement the sports as a weapon podcast will now be presented by Anticonquista.com or Anticonquista Collective. You can visit their website at Anticonquista.com. They are an anti-imperialist media for the Latin American and Caribbean diaspora. So now let's get to it. I'm very excited to welcome today's guest. It's a breaking news episode, like I said, emergency podcast, and we had to do it. And I'm glad that Ted emailed me today. I'd like to welcome Unite Here Local 2 organizer, Ted Wechter. Welcome to the show, Ted. Hey, thanks. Great to be here. All right. And just want to congratulate you, Unite Here Local 2, and all the workers at Oracle Park. So the reason we're having this episode is because today, concession food workers at Oracle Park, the stadium of the San Francisco Giants, reached a uh, new labor contract deal today with their uh, what's well, third party with their company, Bon Appetit. So we're going to talk about this. I emailed Ted maybe about a month ago when this when this first came. Uh, September 4th, they voted to authorize a strike. So this has been in the works for a while, and they made a deal today, and Ted emailed me. So here we are. So let's get to it. Thank you again, Ted, for coming on the podcast. Um, yeah, my pleasure. All right. So first question. So could you tell me first why the San Francisco Giants Oracle Park workers voted to authorize a strike on September 4th, 2021? Yeah. I mean, that strike vote, I think, is really a key part of this. And it happened because negotiations had broken down about a number of issues 
and especially around three priorities. COVID safety, especially because 20 workers have been infected with COVID since the stadium reopened. Affordable family health care, making sure that people add the medical insurance they their families needed while taking risks to bring baseball back during this time. And then has to pay as well, making sure that workers were being compensated fairly for the sacrifices that they were making to provide for the fans and help the team make a lot of money during the pandemic. That, you know, those negotiations became clear that they weren't moving in the right direction. So workers decided it was time to take a strike vote. And more than that, really start organizing towards a strike. That vote was 96.7% yes. And in the subsequent weeks, it became very clear to management that workers meant it. Workers were serious about protecting themselves and protecting their families. We were doing picket duty sign up in the stadium on breaks. Workers were talking to one another. We were making picket signs. You know, we were really getting ready. And I think that credible strike threat is ultimately what got us where we are today. I noticed that, like you said, one of the issues that the workers were having had to do with COVID protocols and safety. What I was been have been reading and keeping up with this uh, situation, a lot of workers kept saying that uh, fans would, you know, go up to the concession stand without masks and workers, you know, would tell them but some workers wouldn't because, you know, they're afraid of some crazy fan that might, you know, do something violent and that the Giants weren't really, you know, monitoring that or keep making people keep with the protocols. So I, I read that there was about 20 workers that were infected with COVID once fans mm-hmm. were back in the stadium. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, the requirements on our end are for workers to be either vaccinated or to have a negative COVID test. And the workforce is overwhelmingly vaccinated. So I think what was so concerning to folks about that was, you know, we've done our part. Now we're seeing all these breakthrough infections. and the key thing that could change to make the ballpark safer was always better masking policies, better enforcement. And we got a lot of that, but not all of it in after the strike vote. For example, workers are still calling on the giants in the city of San Francisco to put a requirement for fans to enter the stadium that they be either vaccinated or present proof of a recent negative COVID test. That's what they've recently announced in LA County will be starting next month for the big sports stadiums there. And that's what we want to have here in San Francisco. We got some big wins on those issues, but we still got a ways to go. Um, it definitely, though, I think put things in perspective for workers and just uh, really made clear the stakes of the fight ahead as we were taking that strike vote and, and preparing in earnest to walk off the job if that's what was needed. Okay. And yeah, as you mentioned, Los Angeles County recently made it a mandate for these sporting events to have proof of vaccine or a negative test. Even here where I'm at, I'm originally from Southern California, but um, I'm in Sacramento right now. That's where I live. And even over here, I think they're going to need proof of vaccine to enter events as well. To me, it was kind of interesting that San Francisco, the Giants were seem very, very not have been so strict with the having fans follow the protocols, especially when, from what I've read in San Francisco, a lot of the COVID restrictions there were much more stricter than other places. So that that was a little surprising for me. But then it's also not because, as you mentioned, this is also about money. And I'm sure the Giants, you know, instead of thinking of the workers, are like, oh, I don't want to upset these fans. I don't want to wear the mask because, you know, they had fans finally coming back into the stadium. But I was a little surprised since they were in San Francisco um, that they weren't really being strict with it. And to my next question, the workers have been unionized for a while, correct? 
That's right. Actually, even before the Giants moved to Oracle Park, workers were okay. eating a candlestick, you know. And a lot of the members have been working food service at Giants games for decades, 20, 30, 40 years. I think I read today's like worker's statement on Twitter. She had worked for the Giants for 32 years and she worked at Candlestick. So there is a lot of workers that have been there a long time, you know, being a great worker for the Giants. But then mm-hmm. it seems like they're not getting the, they weren't getting the same respect back from the organization when it comes to some of these issues they're having with their labor conditions. And I want to ask, do you know a percentage or just a guess of how many workers are Chicano or Latino, Latina, Latinx? I would say the workforce uh, among the on the food service side is around 50% Black, and then the other 50% is split roughly evenly between Latinx workers, Asian American workers, and white workers. Okay. So 50 divided by 3 is just, you know, 15 to 20% of the workforce. Yeah, um, which is pretty high still. Yeah. And even as I say it, it sounds... It sounds low. I would maybe it's closer to twenty five percent. And then fifty percent are also black workers, so that's also important to to point out there. But everyone there is a worker, so it's it's a good thing for everyone here that they've reached a deal. Could you uh, tell me uh, a little bit about the bargaining process and how it played out the last month? Because when I first reached out to you, I was, you said, "Hey, let's wait until uh, this process kind of plays out, and then we'll talk." And I'm like, awesome. "We're on the picket line." Yeah, and here we are. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I think I remember those days. I mean, I think I, I'm not. I'm not sure. Like I said, I think this happened because there was a real credible strike threat, mm-hmm. and that means that we were really ready to walk off the job. The last contract that we won in 2013, which expired in 2018. We won after a one-day strike. So it's it's a militant workforce. It's a workforce that's been working over decades to transform these jobs into really family-sustaining jobs. And I would say that determination only grew over the course of the last month, which I think is really what ultimately brought to bear enough pressure to get this deal done is that the boss could sense that determination. The boss could sense that resolve. We were in negotiations. We took a strike vote. Immediately after the strike vote, the Giants finally agreed to meet with us. They had earlier declined to meet with workers about the safety concerns, and they made a number of important steps and commitments, including for the first time actually requiring masks whenever a guest was interacting with the concessions worker across the counter at a concession stand. Some of those stands, they're kind of indoor slash outdoor spaces. Mm -hmm. And so because of that designation as being technically outside, the mask requirement wasn't there. So they put in that mask requirement, they added more signage, they made promises of better enforcement. And workers said, okay, well, this is, you know, this is our number one priority is protecting ourselves from COVID. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to work and see if those promises are real. And at the same time, we also made a lot of progress with Bon Appetit on some of the economics, even as healthcare was still out there as a place where we remained really far apart. We went back to work, ready to see what things would be like on the ground. And unfortunately, enforcement of those safety measures was really uneven. You know, floor by floor in that stadium, you had some places where workers were saying things are much better after this mm-hmm. after this meeting and after these new commitments from the Giants. Next floor, next level of the stadium, totally different story. And so workers, I think probably two weeks ago now, had a what we call a delegation in union 
jargon, which is a sort of surprise emergency meeting where 200 workers demanded to talk to management about the enforcement of these safety issues in of the sort of the atrium food court areas in the stadium to say, look, you made promises to us. You got to keep those promises. Since then, I think that determination, that resolve to go on strike, if that's what it took to win on safety, to win on healthcare, to win on hazard pay and wages only built. I think the energy in the ballpark was electric. The workers felt like the wind was at their back. Fans have been incredible. They were coming up to workers at the concession stand saying, you know, we're with you on social media, expressing their support. I mean, I, I, I think that ultimately what happened is that the boss really understood that workers were ready to do this. The fans were on their side, that that sense of being prepared to walk out was actually only growing over time. So the momentum was building and building and building. And ultimately, we reached a deal last week. Yeah. And then can you again go over some of the uh, demands that were met or that were won by the workers? Yeah. So it's a six-year contract and it's retroactive to when the last one expired. Okay. So there will be an immediate raise of $3 an hour. And then there's another $4 out there by 2024. Okay. So it's a total raise of $7 an hour plus hazard pay of $1.50 for any games work during 2020 or 2021. Also very, a, fu- a fundamental issue for us was affordable healthcare. And we protected a local two standard that we have citywide, affordable healthcare, including platinum medical, dental, vision, no cost for individuals, very low cost to cover an unlimited number of dependents. And crucially, we changed the eligibility mechanism. Before, you had to work 10 events per month to be eligible for healthcare. And there was almost always a month during baseball season where there would only be nine events. And so you could work all of them and you still would be left uninsured. What we changed in this contract is that eligibility requirement so that any month during baseball season, there's seven events, if there's eight events, there's nine events. If you work the total number of events, you're going to get insured. eligible. A huge change. And then uh, on safety, uh, we, we, I talked a little bit about some of the safety improvements that we Mm -hmm. saw over the course of the last month. And Bon Appetit also agreed to an expedited arbitration process for safety concerns, um, which means that if there are issues that come up, the avenue for workers to seek recourse and make things right, it's going to be much swifter. And so, you know, our negotiating committee, it's made up of 50 rank and file ballpark workers. Ultimately, they decided, you know, that was a deal that they and their co-workers could support. They unanimously recommended that we, ex- you know, that we agree, um, that we approve that tentative agreement. And now tomorrow, the full workforce gets the chance to vote on it. And if they vote yes to ratify that deal, as you said, it means we're calling off the strike and, you know, we'll all get to enjoy the playoffs together. Yeah. And then I think that was also the timing of this was very important as well, because the Giants are approaching the playoffs. The playoffs will start next week. The season ends this Sunday. They already clinched the playoff spot along with the Dodgers, but they're trying to win the division. I'm a Dodger fan. (laughs) So they're (laughs) battling right now for these last five games. So I think that was also in the workers and, you know, the union's favor here, because that also put some pressure on the Giants because they didn't want no disruptions when they're in an important playoff race, you know. And I, I've read and been seeing since the news of this potential strike and these issues came up for the workers that last time in 2013, there was a potential strike. I believe they actually did strike and the Giants mm-hmm. missed the playoffs that season. Like they were close to making the playoffs. <laughs> so maybe yeah, they learned that. their lesson from 2013 as well. Right. No more bad karma. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. And gosh, what was I going to say about that? 
Yeah, I I think that's right. I think the timing was a key part of that. I think the bad karma was a key part of that and didn't want to let that happen again. And, you know, I think also a key part of this to understand is that workers are actually huge Giants fans. You know, like I said, it's people who grew up in San Francisco, grew up watching Willie Mays play, been working there 20, 30, 40 years, diehard Giants fans who were so excited to come back after the pandemic and to come back to a situation where things felt unsafe, where they didn't feel respected. I think that just created this real sense of betrayal because everyone knew what this season could have been, which was the Giants family coming back together and enjoying a really fantastic season for the team as as one big family. And, And the fact that that really wasn't happening there at the beginning really motivated workers to to fight for what they earned yeah they earned this and it's also they're like hey where's your loyalty we've been loyal for so long you know we're even fans of the team before we even worked here they have Mm -hmm. pride in working for the team because they were fans and they're from san francisco in the bay area so i'm glad that they they fought and got this victory and i want to also mention like i used to work at a sports arena back home in southern california Mm. in ontario I was security guard, but you know, we're all service workers. But I remember like we all, we also had issues when it came to, cause you didn't have a union, but it was like a arena where they have minor league hockey. So once hockey season was over, there wasn't as many events until like maybe the summer when there's concerts, but right. we would have some of those issues as well. Oh, there's only this many events this month. So we wouldn't work as much and stuff like that. So I thought it was also so important that they got that deal that it's not going to impact their health care, you know, depending on how many events they work. And whatever month they work, as long as they work those events, they'll get their health care. So I thought that was an important victory, just even from my experience as a former arena worker, stadium worker. So that was awesome. We're almost done here. But I want to ask you this this question. How big is this labor victory for all stadium and arena service workers? And I guess for workers in general, especially right now when we're seeing a lot of strikes, like Nabisco workers are going on strike. I heard some Starbucks workers are, have been striking. So right now there's, there's a lot of, uh, workers trying to, you know, get better working labor conditions and better pay throughout the country. How important do you think this? victory is for the rest of the workers. I think it's a a critical victory. You know, like I said, a lot of workers have been working food service at Giants games for 30, 40 years, seen a lot of baseball history. And I think the sense among our membership is that we've made some history of our own with this agreement. It's a transformative deal. It's going to transform these jobs, especially, and this is one piece we haven't talked about, when folks will now be able to combine working at Oracle Park during the baseball season with working at Chase Center during the basketball season. There are opportunities there for year-round work, year-round healthcare that didn't exist before. And not just year-round work, but year-round work, family-sustaining wages with affordable healthcare for the whole family. So really, I think we're talking about changing the nature of stadium food service jobs. And I do think it's important for not just San Francisco, but for the whole country because it shows what's possible. And it shows I think it's it's an example that when workers fight for good jobs, workers can win good jobs. Direct action gets the goods. <laughs> That's right. Um, That's right. And then I'm a proud SEIU Local 1000 member. So solidarity with all the workers of, of the San Francisco Giant Concession Workers of Unite Here Local 2 mm-hmm. from a fellow union worker as well. Um, and before we go, Ted, thank you again for coming on my podcast. But I got one more question for you. Are there any other labor, labor struggles that Unite Here Local to Unite Here are currently fighting? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we are negotiating contracts at a number of the, with the, a number of the employers that we represent 
across the city. We represent concessions workers, food service workers at SFO who work behind the counters in the terminal there. We represent okay. hotel workers, housekeepers, you know, bellmen, doormen, cooks, dishwashers, service bartenders um, in hotels. So there's a number of labor disputes out there that I'm sure you'll hear about from us in the next little bit here. And then I think also this victory will inspire those workers in other places to see, oh, we can do the same thing too. One thing I'd name in particular is that what we're seeing across the service sector is that employers are really trying to use pandemic disruption as an opportunity to cut back on uh, standard guest services, to reduce services, and also to reduce jobs. A key example in hotels is actually on daily housekeeping, switching from the longtime standard of automatic daily housekeeping in the hopes that guests won't have their rooms cleaned every day. That's the new standard is set. Whereas normally you'd have your room cleaned every day, now you wouldn't have your room cleaned every day for most days. Hilton, particular, as a hotel company, has been really aggressive about this. And it's quite simple. Fewer rooms to clean, fewer job housekeepers. Our union estimates that it could cost up to 39% of all hotel housekeeping jobs. It's $4.8 billion in lost annual wages, lost wages every year. And it's obviously a workforce that is overwhelmingly women of color. Um, so that's the kind of thing that we're seeing in hotels, much like with the Giants, where the fans and the workers were really on one side of the fight. I think we're seeing the same thing, where guests are coming back and starting to travel again and saying, we want the services have long been standard. We want the services that we paid for, and we know that's what's going to get workers back to work. So we're encouraging guests in that fight, always ask for daily housekeeping when you check into a hotel. Um, and together, we're going to protect the travel experience and protect jobs. So that, I would say, is, is another big one that is really on our radar right now, of many. Awesome. All right. Thank you for that, Ted. Again, thank you to Ted Wechter of Unite Here Local 2. And congratulations and solidarity with all the work, concession workers, food workers of the San Francisco Giants at Oracle Park. Congratulations on your uh, labor victory today. It's a very important victory, as Ted talked about. And I, I believe it's also going to be a catalyst for other workers to get inspired and, you know, win those worker rights, those gains that, that they deserve because workers are the ones that make the world run. So thank you again, yeah, Ted. To be here. Um, have a great one. Thank you again for coming on my podcast. Thanks. That will wrap up the podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Sports as a Weapon podcast.